You know, sometimes you said you're going to edit stuff and you just leave it in. Because sometimes it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be like, oh man, I'm covered. Like when, like, you, uh, when you said the, when I, when you said the, when you stumbled on the words when you were talking about um, Ayana, that was like our intro because it was hilarious. <laughs> I know. He's like, yeah, yeah, edit that out. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I got you. <laughs> no, completely on there. Welcome to the Not Dumb Podcast. We're happy to have you here. We have uh, Shimon, the Biz. Hey, everybody. How you doing? We got Young Cliff Young. What's up? What's up? All right. Uh, <laughs> we have you. We have yeah. Iron Man Abdul. I thought you were going to say something a little more. Yeah. Yep. Sorry. Uh, what's up? Yeah. What's up? Uh, <laughs> Generation Z, man. got to put some effort into this, bro. Gotcha. All right. Um, he's got his glasses off, so he's trying to be cooler today. So, you know. So, uh, he's like, I'm cool, Cliff, right now. I don't have my glasses on. All right. Well, welcome. We're just uh, looking for the uh, energy. Pull it together. His coffee machine is down, so we couldn't uh, get any coffee out of it. So, no um, coffee, no hot chocolate. We're just hurting right now. Yeah, we need some caffeine, bro. We need some caffeine, man. How's your week going, bro? I heard you what? got a car. Yes, I did. Oh, man. How you liking it, bro? Well, we don't have it yet. We just <laughs> signed the contract. Oh, okay. We, we get, you know, you have to get the... Oh, the, you, you just got it. Yeah, we just signed it on uh, y- yesterday. Yeah, well, it takes a couple of days sometimes. Yeah, to, we yeah. won't have the... We're waiting for the plates, so we'll have that on Monday. But yeah. Monday, if they're observing Veterans Day, then it'll mm. be Tuesday. Can we tell them what you got? No. <laughs> Let's not stun on them too hard, guys. <laughs> Let's not stun on them too I hard. I do people stalking me and my family. I'm just yeah. telling people, no, not at all. Yeah, it's not as it's not as dope as my Bentley though, bro. Not as dope as AKA uh, 2005 Corolla. You know, that's how I roll. <laughs> we're, we're all getting cars for our wives. You know, what I'm yeah. It's our wives. <laughs> I, I'm gonna be on MBTA Transit. Uh, my my transportation carries tens of thousands of people per day. There you it's go. Called the train. That's the way to look at it. Um, anyway, welcome. Uh, we got a full packed podcast for you today. Um, we have a candidate for the Federal Republic of Nigeria's presidency joining us, Chike Ukebu, fine young gentleman, running for the office of president in his, in his home country of Nigeria. I thought it'd be very interesting to hear what he has to say uh, regarding his, um, his platform that he has. Uh, I think it's going to be technology, entrepreneurship, and education. And education. Exactly. Chike completed his early years of education in Nigeria and attended University of Lagos. Later, he ventured to America to continue his educational journey. He studied biomedical engineering at City College of New York, executive leadership and management at Cornell University, took MBA courses at Wharton School of Business, and studied venture capital investment at Stanford University. Chike's scholastic endeavors, entrepreneurial experiences, and global mindsight have awarded him many accolades, including being named one of the UN's 100 most influential people of African descent. On October 3, 2018, Chike was inducted into the UN's most influential people of African descent Hall of Fame as the first global young leader for the global impact of his audacious presidential candidacy in Nigeria and inspiring youth leadership across the continent and globally. All right, so we're going to give him a call. Hello. 
Hey, hey TK, how's it going, man? Yeah, so my apparently uh, T-Mobile is really, really, really horrible. Um, yeah. I think New York. You got to get that Verizon, bro. Oh, I got T-Mobile, man. What are you talking? I know. Yeah, when you when you're not in a major metropolitan area, T-Mobile is not as good as. Yeah. I don't need Verizon anymore, so I don't live in America. Oh yeah. Okay. Got it. Got it, man. All right. Well, welcome to the Not Dumb Podcast. Uh, I apologize for all the uh, technical difficulties, but we welcome you, Chike. Uh, Shaman has told me quite a bit about you. Um, I have. Uh, so my name is Iman. I'm the um, co-host on the show, and Shaman is also my co-host. Uh, Cliff is here as well. He's one of our interns. Hey, how you doing, GK? But um, anyway, please. So uh, I've read a little bit about you. Um, I know you're one of the younger uh, peoples to um, to be running for president over there. But I wanted to see what your thoughts are and why you decided to run. Um, and I saw something. There was something about a um, not too young to run or something like that. What was that about? Uh, so prior to prior to May of this year, um, you had to be at least 40 years to run for president. Really? Run for, um, president or Senate in Nigeria. Okay. Um, and then uh, this year in May, I think after about two years of um, a couple of people working on it, um, the president decided to sign the Not Too Young to Run bill mm. that drops the age requirement from 40 to 35. Um, so that bill actually qualified me to run. Um, and of course, the month after I jumped into the race. Um, so you ask, uh, why did I decide to run? Um, for those who know anything about Nigeria, Nigeria is actually the largest black nation in the world. Uh, we have a population of just about 200 million people. Really? Um, yeah. Then I know that. Wow. And um, very wealthy in natural resources and uh, as well as arable land um however though in in our 58 years of uh, post-colonial you know rulership or whatever um we've recycled leaders who have not been efficient in managing governance right so i'd say uh, the two most basic, uh, the two most basic responsibility of governance, which is to provide and to protect the people, mm. um, we, we've actually failed at doing that. Um, and realizing that as a young person, <clears throat> some of these, um, some of these wrong decisions that we allow leaders to make. Um, are actually at the expense of our futures, you know, my future, that of my children, mm. and so on and so forth. So the decisions they're making today, I will bear those consequences tomorrow when they're not here. Um, and considering the fact that they're mortgaging my future and those of others um, for their own selfish interests, uh, it was pertinent that at least... Um, anyone every single person who understands what it means you know to to care for people um you know do something about it so when you say um, uh what yeah what are the when you say they're what are they doing what kind of decisions are they making what are they is it are you talking about just corruption type of stuff or what what in what um, way are they doing this right so for me uh you know one of the most critical um, um, reasons is the fact that you know we're walking into um, 
the fourth industrial revolution. We're walking into a future, almost an uncertain future, and we have people who don't even understand the digital age, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, trying to lead us into that future. And, and the problem with that is the average age in Nigeria today is 18.2. Hmm. Wow. Um, yeah. That's young. So, really? That is really young. Yep. Yep. It's, it's a very, very young um, uh, population. And not just Nigeria, you know, sub Saharan Africa um, is that young. Um, wow. And the problem with where we are is, you know, we're a nation right now of uh, with 30 million unemployed people today. Um, and this is pre you know um, artificial intelligence and automation now we walk into a future um, where automation becomes the order of the day um, and you have a populace that's not prepared for that now what happens is you go from 30 million unemployed to 150 million unemployed because of the impacts and and effects wow. of automation amongst you know of course other things and um, so when you start to see you know how dystopian that future is um and of course adding to the fact that you know nigerians are an, an extremely resilient people they're an extremely intelligent uh people um, and the truth is, even with all of our problems, Nigeria is still the largest economy in Africa, right? So my thing is, if you have a nation where 55% of the population is without power, um, our healthcare wow. isn't 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 the dumps, our educational system has completely been um, you know, destroyed. Um, but yet, you have a people that can produce and still be the largest economy. Uh, imagine what will happen if we actually, you know, get things right. Um, and it's that potential, uh, is that hope, is that excitement of that possibility uh, that makes it extremely pertinent to start now. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, um, you, the consequences will be one that we will all not want to talk about. <laughs> Yeah, Chika Shimon here. I've watched the good uh, from your bio. I watched the CNN, the all the other interviews, and um, one of my favorite ones. There were two I really liked. The one you did with the Australian Broadcast Network because you really had a. They gave you some room, and the way they did the interview, you really got to go into some of your points down and drill down, and also the CNN interview. And um, just to get it out the way, can you explain your view of corruptions? Corruption is not unique to Nigeria. It's not unique to Africa. Corruption is in many countries, a byproduct of an underlying economic problem that's in Nigeria. Okay. Um, so usually people like to paint Nigeria as the corruption capital of, <laughs> of the world, you know, and I try to push back on that. I'm like, yes, you know, we have problem, but corruption is a global thing, right? Um, we, we live in a nation right now where over 100 people have been indicted for the 2016 um, elections. Um, oh, so wow. corruption is, yeah. 100 I mean, people? I mean, yes, in the United States. Yeah. You didn't know no, that. No, I know. I did not know. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was I thought it was just like, uh, I knew the Democratic Party had some issues and they weren't letting, Yeah, no, no, uh, no but no, I didn't no, know it was like no, that I many mean, people. Yeah, yes, wow. including Americans and Russians. You're just educating an American uh, about America. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know I look smart yeah, right look, now. I know. Anyway, look, go ahead. <laughs> look it up. 
you know um so it is it is a global thing right yeah. um so when people say you know nigeria is so corrupt and da 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 I'm like yeah you know um it, it is a global phenomenon right however though um anyone uh, i i say i say two things one you know part of what we call corruption right it's is survival instincts from the people um which which stems from the government's uh, inability or, or lack of vision to understand what it means uh, to put nation first, to take care of the people, to provide for its people, right? Uh, so when you're not paying people well, when you're not even paying them at all, and then people have to find ways to feed mouths, you know, feed their dependents or to take care of themselves. Uh, so they take bribes, you know, to make ends meet. They do what they have to do to make ends meet. So for us to start to fight corruption, anyone who's saying today that they can that corruption is, you know, priority for them, um, in fact is an indication that they don't know uh, what to do or have no concept of you know leadership that's needed right now i said one you cannot fight corruption without the infrastructure uh, to support that you know mission or whatever and part of that infrastructure is making sure that you take care of people first right if you if you're able to pay salaries and pay pensions and you know cater to uh, healthcare and the well-being of people yeah. <clears throat> And then alongside that, you know, um, implement, um, um, you know, regulations or policies uh, that plug loopholes that allow corrupt practices, right? Uh, so, for instance, blockchain technologies can take care of a bunch of, you know, um, um, some of those loopholes, right? Um, so if you have the right technologies that minimizes the the um, opportunities to engage in some of these corrupt practices as well as you know make sure that people are well taken care of as well as ensuring that you have an effective law enforcement and judiciary because it's important for people to be held accountable for the things they do then you start to see that the impact of you know corruption is minimized right mm. so for instance you, you know while while some of the things that happened in the last election happened it almost did not directly affect your lives because there are checks and balances in place there are there's a safety net um, that makes sure that you know the government and his machinery can keep functioning with or without that you get what i mean yeah uh, we don't have those things so it's important to make sure that those things are put in place first before you can effectively fight so you're know, saying so corruption you're saying that the the lack of uh, of infrastructure there is, is is stopping from is stopping or is allowing corporate influences to come in and and put their interest in with with your public officials essentially yeah so and then the other thing too is you know all of these nations these western nations that are first to scream corruption 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 yeah uh, the truth is you know most of the people who are losing and stealing money are not keeping it in the country they're keeping it in all these countries right so if yeah. you are taking the money and you're saving it for them and you're using it in your economy 
you're just as guilty as the people you're calling corrupt, right? Yeah. Um, so for you to point a finger, send back all the money. Send it back home. Well, one of the things I was um, really fascinated when you were talking about preparing your economy, preparing your people for that third, revo- you know, the new fourth industrial revolution and how you were doing your programs here stateside and globally around getting disconnected untapped and underrepresented people involved in the economy and addressing those issues that would impact corruption but also impact economic growth and the quality of the life of people at home so they have power and that they are engaged in their in their society you know do you guys have the same phenomenon that we have where you have politicians go into office and then they spontaneously get wealthy like we like our part all most of our politicians once they get high enough they all become millionaires even though they didn't start out that way do you do your politicians also have that same thing happen well i mean so the a good majority of you know the politicians we have um, but legislative and otherwise mm-hmm. um i mean the way the way our system of governance is is framed right now um, encourages that. So, for instance, um, the, the legisl- actually Nigeria's legislature is the highest paid in the world. Mm. Wow. <laughs> I mean, yes. The more than us. Paid, uh, yes. Uh, senators wow. make more than nine times what American senators make. Really? Wow. <laughs> that's yeah. some serious money. Yes. Yeah. That's why people Wait, how themselves. much do senators make Get here? Um, uh, senator- 175000 yeah. They make nine times that, so they make uh, they make more, two more million than nine a year. Times that. Wow, yes. that's crazy. More than that, more than that. Wow, more than that. Yeah, so Nigeria's legislature is the highest paid, even though a minimum wage is one of the lowest um, in the world. And yeah. uh, we, in fact, we have the highest population of people who live in extreme poverty. Uh, so there's that huge disconnect. Um, between you know um, politicians or legislators and the masses and that's a huge problem uh, because people fight people kill themselves to get in there because yeah. technically it becomes a retirement plan for you you are in there for four years or for eight years and after that you're good for life you're set for life wow. you know um, so it's not it, it makes it not be about the people about what you can get about out the status of yeah. status yeah. and money so, so i i would assume you have a you, you're going to run into a lot of uh dirty politics and you're you're, you're going to have a lot of hurdles um like so who, who yeah who who's who's your main opponent here um there are quite a number of them um so with with the current um election i mean you have the incumbent who's running for a second term mm. you have the main opposition party that lost power four years ago who's also running and then you have a bunch of you know other people as well um however what differentiates my candidacy is i am the one who um actually represents this not too young to run um, bill Mm-hmm. Um, so the only under 40 would be Africa's youngest, you know, president, yeah. actually the youngest black president in the world, leading the largest black nation, technically. Um, then my vice president is a woman as well, which mm-hmm. is 
different never happened um and i am looking forward to you know at least a 50 50 cabinet split so we're doing a lot because i tell people i said one of the greatest assets of of nigeria that is yet to be unleashed is the nigerian woman um so we're looking forward to doing that i I was a huge still a huge proponent of you know diversity and inclusion um in fact my tech accelerator is that it was the first diversity focused tech accelerator in new york city um so i'm a huge proponent of that and i'm looking forward to um engaging all of you know the things that i have learned over the years the last 10 12 years um, in building a nation um that honestly you know should be world class should be top 10 um, world economy um, but we we lack leadership um, currently to, to pull it together happen. yeah okay. Chike, yeah. i would love for you to go into one of the things you were mentioning and I, i'm really excited about this that nigeria as the largest black nation should be yep. the champion for black people's no matter where they are in the diaspora so if you're living in the united states canada uk you are on visit to Zan- you know um, Ka- um pakistan nigeria should be one of your major champions as a black person in the world and you should you and if you're and then you should be welcomed in nigeria to be able to come there and live and do business yeah so actually so i, I told you one of the reasons was the fourth industrial revolution uh, the other reason actually there were four main reasons why i decided to jump in the race um one of those reasons was actually the fact that i believe that the mantle of leadership um uh, for advocacy against you know discrimination um against discrimination period you know lies in the heart of nigeria i believe that as the largest black nation um that responsibility falls on her um to defend people of african descent globally right there's absolutely no reason why black people are being killed here you know like animals <laughs> tell me about it nobody nobody's saying no international power is standing up against that you know um there's absolutely no reason why um people of african descent at uh, brazil actually is the second has a actually brazil is the second largest black nation in the world yet their black people are also being oppressed and you know um, discriminated against even though they have a larger uh, percentage of the population wow um, brazil's populace yeah. yeah you know so and you know very recently i think last month or so had declared yoruba which is a nigerian language as a second official language mm. um so it's it's being able to defend that you know to to speak up just like you know if you're an american and you're anywhere in the world you believe that your government will defend you um if anything happens um black people globally don't have that this does not there isn't that one country they can say okay that's that voice that speaks up when need be um and i think nigeria as the largest black nation is the largest economy in africa as well um is responsible making that happen and they are not so that that's a very a uh, big 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 thing for me because i say i usually say this i left nigeria as a as an Igbo boy and Igbo is my my tribe and i arrived in america as a black man in 
uh, that's, <laughs> that's it. Just yeah. a black, you're just a black guy. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. nobody, nobody here. I tell people if a cop were gonna shoot me, they're not gonna ask me if you're Nigerian. All they see is a black man. Mm. Right? Uh, so that gave me that sense of you know belonging uh, globally to say, okay, as a black person, regardless of where I'm at. There are people who have shared experiences with me, who have shared fears, uh, but also, you know, shared aspirations and excellence um, that we all should be able to come together and, and um, share in that commonality as opposed to, um, you know, trying to differentiate from each other, you know, divide ourselves, whatever. Um, so, yeah, that that was... Um, that is and that was and still is one of the main reasons why i decided to run so um i would i would love for you to be able to speak on um nigeria's cultural influence you know I, i'm learning now too it's the the biggest black nation in the world but i know that they have they hold a lot of power when it comes to influencing you know but the the culture of black people internationally um i know from my generation i i learned about nigeria first through nollywood through the film industry and uh, I understand that that's a, a small part of Nigeria, but like seeing how much they influence the world, it, it's it's amazing. So I was hoping you could speak speak on that. Yes, yes. So um, I mean, Nigerians are pace setters, regardless of what field it is, except maybe swimming. Um, <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> that's a little thing for the Olympics, right there. That was okay. Actually, I may be wrong. Um, there are actually uh, cultures in Nigeria where uh, that becomes water is actually part of who they are. So mm. um, we've had several stories of you know babies being born and they're put in the water and they have to swim, otherwise they die. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, oh, but there are cultures harsh. that are actually very water dependent. Okay. Um, uh, but yeah, so when it comes to entertainment, when it comes to sports, um, when it comes to the arts, uh, Nigeria is, of course, a huge, huge um, uh, pace setter, you know, in Africa and from Africa to the world, right? Uh, so you talked about Nollywood. Nollywood is actually. Um, has surpassed Hollywood as the second largest uh, movie industry in the world. So number one is Bollywood. Really? It, wow. So it's Bollywood, Nollywood, then Hollywood. Wow. I did not know that. Yeah, and it's actually, you know, with number of movies made um, a year, not not how much money they make from it. Um, so so some, those are also some areas that uh, I believe, you know, uh, we, our leaders are shortchanging us because they don't invest in them. Mm. Um, in entertainment and sports and the arts, um, we have a huge, huge, huge um, art community um, that nobody you know, really invests in. And even Nollywood as well. Um, I, I don't even think we have a film school in Nigeria. If we do, maybe. Really? We That's a shame. All those movies that come yeah. out of there. I mean. Exactly. Yeah, man. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, um, from that to the music, Afrobeats, you know, uh, um, that we all enjoy today, the Wiz Kid and yeah. the Vidos and all of that. Yeah, it's all you know, Nigerian culture. Um, so, yeah, that's you know, something else that we 
definitely can be exported into the world. In fact, that we've definitely introduced the world to, um, but are not really, you know, seeing or maximizing um, what the outcomes, you know, could be for us um, yeah. as an export. Um, so I'm gonna ask you. Uh, we're we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up because I know this uh, this um, phone conversation is kind of like delayed and it's you're not able to hear everybody. But I wanted to see. So you said that almost everyone literally is 18 <laughs> in Nigeria. Like it's just well half half. <laughs> I mean that's a lot. That's a lot, bro. That's a lot. So yeah. I wanted to see. Like I mean, if you're able to to get because the legal age to vote is 18 there, right? Yeah. So, I mean, if you were able to motivate these people, to, these kids, basically, to get out and vote, I mean, that's it. You're in. Um, but yep. I wanted to see what what's your strategy? Like, how are you connecting with them? How are you, you know, how um, are you making so this happen? Here's the thing, right? So what we realized initially when I when I declared to run, we thought it was going to be easy. You know, just, oh, yeah, here's another young person who knows what he's talking about. Let's all support him. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we realized was in our lifetime, you know, we've actually never seen young leaders. So my candidacy is an anomaly, you know, for the Nigerian youth, right? Um, we've had the same, I mean, the current president right now was a head of state the year I was born, you know, wow. 25 years ago. Exactly. Wow. That's how much we recycled uh, military dictators as, uh, as civilian rulers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so for for them, it was when I came out initially it was this shock, like, wait, who's this? <laughs> you hmm. know, yeah. Um, and then, oh, it can't happen. You know, politics is too dirty, it's too dangerous for the old guards to let it happen, right? Yeah. But what we started to do is gradually sensitize them to understand that when they talk about politics being dirty or being dangerous. These old men are not standing out in the streets bribing people for their votes. These old men are not standing out at pulling boots, you know, causing the violence. They use you and me, right? They use us, young people, to do it. And then when they get there, they forget about you. All of their children are out, you know, studying in countries that have built their democracies. Um, and here they are depriving you of the benefit that you can gain or you should earn from being a Nigerian, right? Mm, wow. um, so if you all, if we all come together and say enough, yeah, we yeah. can actually change things for ourselves. So that's the message we're going with now is saying, listen, only 3% of our population is over 65. Yeah. Only three. Wow. Right? Yeah. yeah. So if... <laughs> If we and young people um, between 18 and 40 actually make up 70% of, you know, um, registered voters. Well, you're 70% of registered voters, too. Wow. That's impressive. So how many votes do you need to get you across the finish line? Um, Honestly, if I... I I, I wouldn't even need all 70%. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. 50%. 50 percent of you know currently we have about 86 million registered voters um 20 25 million of that you know um will give will give us the give us the victory we need wow 25 million that actually because for the, for the last presidential election the current president who won won with only 15 million votes oh my goodness oh, wow. Wow. wow yeah so yeah. it's even though because you can use the fact that there's so many people in the field 
to your advantage if you can get your you can activate and galvanize your you know your audience yeah the challenge is the timing right so um how are we able to get this message out to as many young people as possible um to galvanize them not just to get excited about it but also to come out to vote so that's the challenge so that's where resources are extremely important yeah definitely got to get the support out there so for our listeners because some of our you know you're a business guy we tend to talk about business on this podcast sometimes um if you took like as an entrepreneur and you looked at it as a marketing challenge what kind of channels and activities are is your 18 to 35 uh, year old voter how are you going to engage with them how, how are they activated are they on mobile apps you know how are they well, interacting there every day and how you become relevant so without of course uh, divulging all of my strategies no yeah don't do that <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs> And so what we did was we sat down and we asked ourselves, um, what are the most effective ways to, to reach these people um, and to keep them engaged, right? Um, and um, we realized that, I told my team, I said, we cannot do politics um, the Nigerian way and expect to win. Um, partly because the people who we're running against are people who have spent 30, 40 years building out these structures, right? So if you're hoping that the way you win is, you know, by spending a lot of money on billboards and, and posters and all that and all that and all that, uh, you're not going to win because they will definitely outdo you. If, you're, if your strategy is, well, spending money on bribing people to vote for you, there's absolutely no way you're going to defeat them because they have a whole lot more money than you do. So the questions for us were, you know, how do we find the things that are extremely exciting to these populace um, and engage them that way? Mm. Um, and understanding that the most powerful communication tool in Africa today is WhatsApp, right? So how do we leverage a tool like WhatsApp in reaching them, one? Um, how do we use media effectively in reaching them? And we came up with some very, very brilliant ideas um, that need of course money uh, to finance so yeah. um, I tell people if we don't get there it wouldn't be because we didn't have the strategies or we didn't do the right thing it would just be you know capital to make yeah. it happen and the truth is we don't even need we honestly don't need you know, 20% of what a whole bunch of other people are going to spend um, because they don't have strategies or because they have built their campaigns on strategies that they believe have worked in prior elections, which is the billboards, which is the car, um, you know, the same publicity and rallies and stuff that people just show up to uh, for what, what they can get out of it, not because they're interested in what you have to say. Yeah. So. Hmm. Uh, Just out of curiosity, what is the uh, what's the main uh, industry there in Nigeria? Is it oil? Um, so right now, our economy is heavily dependent on oil. Okay, which is a huge mistake uh, because it also means that it it, it fluctuates our the success or the the well being of our economy mm -hmm. fluctuates with you know the price of oil. Right, so when oil is high. It's good when oil goes low. It's bad. You know? So, um, meanwhile, you know, there's there's so many things that we can divest into. Um, uh, top 
top being, you know, um, empowering human capital, developing human capital. Right? So if we have all, we have all those young people um, investing in them so that they become, you know, um, globally competitive in the marketplace. Uh, it's it's top priority for me uh, because that's a resource that is renewable that right? people better themselves and yeah. constantly able to produce. Um, but then when you solely depend on non-renewable resources um, and because of one, you know, forget to develop and invest in other areas or other sectors, every other thing suffers. And yeah. that's what's going on. Wow. So you're really saying that Nigeria should be learn the lessons of what the UAE and Saudi did. They keep their oil, they, they learn to have their oil money, but invest in their economy to diversify their economy, not to be dependent on oil in the future. Yeah. 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 So smart, smart, smart nations, you know, that have oil have been able to do that and do it effectively. Like you talk about the UAE, look at Norway, um, you know, these are nations that have successfully, um, you know, divested from just oil as a national resource um, and are doing extremely well. I mean, today you talk about tourism, first nation that comes to mind is Dubai, right? Yeah. I know some people will think America, but it's really Dubai today. Yeah, Dubai is high. And they're, they're building nations of the future, you know, yeah. um, or cities of the future. I read something a couple of days ago. Um, the police have started training on flying cars. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. I, I think I heard that. Look, yeah, yeah. look it up, yeah. That's look crazy. Uh, they recently started training on flying cars. Um, so yeah. they are, they're very future focused, future centric, and that's awesome. Now, we have just, I think Nigeria is uh, number seven, number six, between five and seven oil producing nation in the world. Um, that's huge. We have population that god knows maybe you know at least five times the population there um and very young population as well right so that's as for some people you know they say the sky is the limit i say for nigeria the sky should be a starting point you know um, imagine where america would be today if 55 percent of the population didn't have power <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know? let me ask you a hard-hitting question here so do you have do you have the support or are you are they against you when i like the so the oil companies are probably big i'm sure they have a lot of political influence over there um so do i have the support of of them or are they against you the oil them? companies the oil companies because oh, i know um, they have they have some pull over there don't they yeah so uh, i mean they're not against me and they're not in support I would say because I haven't had an approach them. For me, I think um, I'm not. It, it's not. It's not a sector that I'm that interested in. Okay. And some people think that's crazy. Um, I say here, here's why. Uh, when we talk about you know uh, the, the dangers of engaging the. Um, I guess they call them godfathers, right? Yeah. The so oil becomes that place where they make most of their money from and for me i i believe that the, the dependence on oil is you know it's it's the thesis of a dying nation um 
the I UK, agree. for instance, um, recently decreed that by 20, 2027 or 2032, that they're completely moving away from oil and gas-dependent cars. I mean, zero, completely. So by 2032, I believe, um, there shouldn't be any car in the UK yeah. that is oil-dependent. That wow, means, that's a lot. The whole UK. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, when we think about that, we think that's a long time from now. No, that's, it's not 20 years from now. Yeah. Right. It, it's not even. That's fif- see, about 15 10. years, right? Yeah. China has yeah, a couple. They're about. It's actually 12. 12. 12 yeah. Yeah. Chi- yeah. China has a town, a new city that they built where it's all electric. The ca- the buses, mm. the whole public systems. Dude, let's just leave China alone. Those ones are in their own entire universe because um, China uh, is toying with um, um, an artificial moon. Right? They're trying to what? <laughs> an artificial yeah. wife? Why? What is the purpose of that moon to to power? You know, so uh, it will replace uh, what do you call them? Street lights and all that. So it will power Damn, the city at night. That's yeah. balling. I mean, That's cool. I like yesterday that. I read. Um, I think they have their first AI uh, news, whatever journalist or so. In China is in a whole different, you know, level right now. You know, they started the whole uh, uh, surveillance, you know, social score. Yeah, I know about that. You I know, heard that. Where, that's that's yeah. like crazy a little bit though. Yeah. You ever is. see uh, Black you Mirror? Know. You ever watch that? Of course. They yeah, had so. they had an episode like that where they yeah, had, people had like is. a social score. And I was yeah. like, this is mental because I don't. I don't know yep. if that's going to go well, but you know, <laughs> it would be of a little tough in state side. It becomes um, it becomes a tool for oppression. Yeah, yeah, basically. You know? um, so, like we all know and what they're doing. Those the are the technologies I see a lot of the African leaders, you know, embracing quickly. You know, <laughs> tools they can use to oppress oppress people who try to go against them. Um, but you know, my point is, there's so much potential, right? You have so many hungry minds. Yeah. Um, that if we train, if we nurture and groom them, um, could turn the face of Africa around. Could turn, in fact, could lead, you know, the world um, in innovation and and a lot of stuff if we just invest in them. And yeah. that's that's why I'm running. The dream has been for a long time to to invest and do things in Africa but that stigma or the the, the latency of uh, colonialism, colonialism rather is you know Africa is not safe it's corrupt it's that's, a problem that's just racism at the end of the day that's really pure. what it is and you know. but there's so many people so who have who could invest at a uh, maybe a micro or medium and small medium businesses yeah and do business in Africa and create trade right. between the U.S. and Africa with the diaspora here and the Caribbean and all, you know, the hundreds of millions of people of African descent in the Western Hemisphere. I think that uh, how can they get engaged? How could they support you? How could they support Nigeria, Nigerian businesses, the Nigerian family person there so they could do better and they could f- and we can create that connectivity because you, you right. care about people you do business with. Yeah. Um, so, so I, 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 here's the thing, um, and this may be an opinionated perspective um, from living in, in the U.S. for almost 20 years, right? I, I think that because, because we have found different ways or different reasons to 
um, not identify as a collective, and I mean black people, um, we don't understand the importance of uh, these type of elections, right? So for for an African American, they may say, well, you know, um, why should I care about elections in Nigeria, right, or in Brazil? And that's dangerous because um, if we, I mean, the African American community in the United States has a larger buying power than any African nation. Yeah, it's weird that right? that's true. So, but yeah. yeah, yeah. So if they came together and said, "Listen, we want to change the face of leadership in Africa." Yeah. Right. We literally want to make you know presidents that buy into you know our well-being and that will work with us to grow and develop you know um, people of African descent globally yeah um, that becomes something that they can do and do very easily right uh, so for me um, the reason why it's important for you know people of African descent in the diaspora and I mean black people uh, to engage or to come support is 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 that is you know um, you have actually have a place right I mean besides of course saying hey you know as a part of this you know movement um, we create a bridge that starts to connect people back to the continent for business opportunities and trust me there are billions of them. You know, every single sector in Nigeria today is untapped. Um, so anyone who's trying to do business today would make a quick buck, you know, if things were done right. Yeah. Right. Um, and we can all do that. And then, too, you know, elections are expensive. Yes, but they're not anywhere. I mean, what we'll spend on, let's say, even uh, uh, a House of Rep election here will probably exceed what I would need to win in Nigeria. Oh, wow. That's the truth, <laughs> yeah, because by the time you change dollars to Naira, you get a whole lot more. In fact, one for every dollar you, you have, you already have 360 Naira, right? So, oh, my goodness, um, wow. $2 million is $720 million Naira, which would go a long way, you know, for an election. Um, meanwhile, $2 million here is nothing. Yeah. Well, let me not say nothing. But You're not going to win no House representatives. No. <laughs> you might win exactly. the. You got to be mayor. You not even. <laughs> not even. Yeah. City council person. May not even win. You of course are not winning. You know, mayor of New York City with two million dollars. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let uh, me ask so you. That's my question. Let yeah. me ask you another question. So let's say. Mm-hmm. Let's say that you you gain a lot of traction. You get the youth out. They start showing interest. And then you start to really get a following you and you actually start to become a threat to the people who are in power where you could actually take the presidency. What kind do you have? Do you have any fears like you? Maybe the corporations will start coming after you to to sign on the dotted line kind of thing. Or do you think other politicians will start coming after you? Do you have a game plan for that? Because this is the way it happens in America. So if if we have yes, someone who's uh, you know like Bernie Sanders, he started from nothing, and he, when he got all the way up to the top, he was right there within reach. Everyone started attacking him and take him down. Same kind of thing. So I have a feeling that, that would happen to you as well. What would be your strategy to to evade that or work with that or make it so you can ride that wave 
and grab what you need to grab. So right now, um, I already have. Uh, so I, I I think here's what's going on, right? So with the party that was in power the last time, um, that you know lost power and is trying to get it back now, they feel like um, there possibly could be a youth uprising. Hmm. And have approached me several times. I mean, they've sent five different delegations to try to convince me to pack up my uh, candidacy and come join them, of hmm. course, um, with the promise of whatever it is they are offering. Right? Okay. And they're not just the only ones. You know, there are a bunch of other candidates who have said, hey, you know, come, come work with us. You know, come be my vice president. Or, you know, one actually said, hey, you know, um, we know you the party came to me to say listen you're extremely brilliant you're what our candidate needs right now he has the money we need or you need uh, for this um but you know he's not as bright as you are so you want to come be his <laughs> vice president he's yeah, not as I'm bright like, as you are oh wow oh they were very 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 honest about it yeah. like, he's dumb his vice president is dumb um so we know we're definitely not going to win with him. He's just going to end up spending money and wasting money. I'm like, well, how about you tell him to come invest his money in my candidacy? It becomes an investment for him. So that, that way he doesn't waste it. Mm -hmm. But I am not stepping down to come to become a vice president for someone you just told me is dumb. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's going to work well, exactly. really well. Um, yeah, so so they see the potential of an uprising, and that's what I'm saying. So this is a huge opportunity for, you know, people to say, you know what, we actually want to have it a serious impact um, in the elections in Nigeria, right? Let's support this person. <clears throat> hmm. At that point, um, right now, you know, I'm like that underdog, you know, that I feel that the sort of what Macron did, right? While yeah. the two main parties were busy going after each other, he he stole the election. Um, and I think that that's a great place to be mm. because, for instance, you know, while everybody thinks you're no threat, you know, nobody comes to force you into signing stupid deals or yeah. any concessions until you win. And when you win everything, you have all the leverage, right? So you have the power to say, no, I'm the president now. This is how things would work, right? Um, so being that underdog, I, I, I kind of like that status because there's also some form of security attached to it, right? If nobody thinks you're a threat, they're not trying to kill you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, was a, that, was a, that was the elephant in the room right yeah, there. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You sniper you shots. Know, yeah, um, yeah, I hear you. Yeah, you know, so um, it's a good place to be, okay. right? But it would be so much better if there's money. Because the other thing is most of the strategies, like I talked about, that we have, they're very unconventional. So even if we have, if we have, say, two, three million dollars today, mm. um, we was, we're still going to do unconventional things that by the time people realize how effective they are, they would have won already. All right, do you have any pushback because you, you've lived in America for so long and maybe they feel... Of course. Okay. Uh, of how course are you getting around like, that? Uh, uh, it's, very, it's easy. So actually, initially when I came out, people were arguing that I wasn't even Nigerian. 
Oh, wow. Right? Some people said, oh, you know, he's American-sponsored, blah, 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 blah. Some people said, well, you've been out of the country for so long, you don't understand the problems. You know, how are you coming to lead us? Well, you have never held a, a political position in Nigeria. You know, you don't have the experience. I've, we've heard it all. Mm. Um, but the, the two things, I said one, I mean, asking me to go get political experience in Nigeria is, is like asking me to go learn how to steal. Be, being a thief <laughs> now qualifies me to run the nation. I'm like, you know, mm. we complain about uh, our government and our politicians. And then you turn around and in the same breath say, well, you don't have, you know, you're not qualified enough because you have not learned how to steal enough, right? So when you taste how to steal then you become qualified to lead us i'm like so so that kills that argument right yeah, yeah. you can't be complaining that you know, government has not worked and then say well go go into the same government and get that and uh, so for others i say well being outside actually gave me that perspective that global perspective to understand quality of life to know that you know not having power um, is is an abuse of human rights, right? That access to education, to clean water, to healthcare, those things are human rights that every single person, every single citizen deserves. Not reserved, not reserved for, you know, zero point one percent of the population, right? So it's, and I tell them, I say, you know, the solutions to our problems will be a collaborative effort between those at home and those outside right it, you, you you need that because that's once again that diversity of thought that diversity of experience that come together to provide um, um, innovations for positive outcomes or solutions hybrid solutions yeah. uh, that will work better for the nation so it's yeah bring it on that's what I tell them. Who are who are some of your influences, like other politicians who you'd like to at least try to model yourself after, or even if they're not politicians, just people that you know or whatever. Who 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 inspired you to do what you're doing? Uh, nobody. Just just you. <laughs> well, okay. Well, no, 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 no. Let me let me. That's manly. I like that. Right, so, man. I look at the bill. So, so here's the thing. Prior to. April this year, they have it had never crossed my mind to run for office, not to talk of running for president. Mm, right? Yeah. Um, so, for for you to have influences like that, you know, it means okay, you've been saying okay, you know, I want to be like this person, right? Mm-hmm. I never had any of those. Right? Okay. For me, it was just that fear that I'm gonna wake up one day and will not have a nation to call home, right? It's, yeah. It's understanding that my parents are pensioners who have not been paid for 22 months, right? What? And oh, wow. Yeah, you know, I have an aunt who has not been paid pension for three years, 36 months, you know, and wondering how people survive, right? For you to, for you to be a pensioner, it means, you know, you've given the best part of your life, 35, 40 years, you know, to serve in the nation. And then in your, you know, old age, you expect that all of the monies that was taken out of your um, whatever, at least, pension is not, is not a, a handout. It's money that was saved for you, yeah. you know, so that in your old age, you have something to fall back on. Exactly. Here you are without even that, right? So it's, it, to me, it's like, how are people putting food on the table? How are they paying 
bills? How are they, you know, taking care of themselves and their loved ones of those who depend on them, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so when you think about things like that, you're not thinking about, oh, I, I want to become like, you know, Gandhi or like, no, 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 because Gandhi was not solving Nigeria's problems, right? Yeah. Gandhi, Martin Luther King was not solving Nigeria's problems. Those are people who saw problems in their communities or in the world and decided that they needed to step up to. They saw a need and they stepped up. I got it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but I like that. You know, I was, I, I, I was and I'm, I still am a huge um, Obama, um, Obama writer, if there's anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, for two things, right? So Obama represents that, you know, um, um, what do you call it? Obama represents, you know, that access to an unstoppable future for any black child or any brown child, right? Yeah. So prior to him, he, whether consciously or unconsciously, there were certain things we didn't believe we could achieve. Um, and his presidency broke all of that and broke it with grace and with style and with class, you know. Um, so and he's a man who he embodies what I call leader, leadership, right? He has that empathy, he has the compassion, he has the intellectual capacity, um, you know, to lead. Um, and I admire that and I appreciated that now did he he's also human that is important to understand that so yep. the policies that may not have agreed with everyone um, but if you take all of that out right this is a man who you could tell had a heart for the people or has a heart for the people so I love that you know I enjoy that um, so he probably would be the only person I will tell you um, that you know um, when it comes to politics prior to Obama I did not engage in politics mm. at all you know um, so after I declared I had uh, I'd been, I had been I was interviewed by Radio France and they asked me that like oh did Macron inspire me like Macron no he did not <laughs> <You know? laughs> Yeah. <laughs> why, why should all of our inspiration come from elsewhere now? Um, so, it's um, so yeah, it's definitely um, would be Obama. But to answer your question again, I'm not running. I did not run because Obama ran in America. No, he inspired me personally to understand what leadership looks like. Um, but when it comes to what made me run. It's the current state of affairs in the nation and the potential that I see and know that we have as a nation to um, to conquer all of the negatives that are there right now. Um, that is a driving force. That's the motivation. And that's why I'm with you. Um, I chose to run. I'm trying to think of a word besides excited and amazing. All these words have become fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs> that people say all the time when they don't really meet and they're like, just pass. It's like, oh, that's amazing. I'm beyond excited. I, I'm, <laughs> I want to say some Navy terms, but then I'll make people all spooky and so forth. You're really talking about getting ready. You're yeah. talking about 
how they used to talk about the Pan-African movement way back. I'm talking about the 30s, the 40s, the 20s, where black leaders globally were discussing how to break over this global oppression that we had found, that we had been yeah. subjected to. People were thinking about who's being elected in, in, in Argentina, in Brazil, and in Africa. How can we move this forward? And we haven't really been talking about that in a, in a Pan-African way. They've, people believe that African-American and Africans in the, in the continent and Africans, are, are a.k.a. Latinos, who are usually somewhere between 25% and 80% African, African yep. are, are all different. It's, it's, a, it's like, no, no. If your adversary is choosing your allies, you've already lost. Yeah. And I'm, I love what you're saying. Is like, no, we're Adversaries all. Adversaries and leaders choosing leadership. <laughs> yeah. I love what you're saying. Yeah. Is, uh, no, we, we, we're all in this together and we need to be paying attention. And we also need to engage with each other all the way around yeah. to care, to be empathetic, to do business, to vote, to, to champion. Yeah. We're with you, bro. We're with you. I got one last question, man. Sure. Um, this is dead serious. Uh, if you win, as if you win, uh, we would like a full motorcade um, <laughs> presidential uh, trip to Nigeria. I'm just saying. Well, I'll just put well, it out there. We want to do the interview. That would be. Uh, well, you get the interview, but I still want the the you know coming to America motorcade. Oh, you want to come to America motorcade? <laughs> yeah, that is ridiculous. Would, but, but, that would be but dope, see, man. But not here in lost? Nigeria. I want. I want. I want. I want to get flown out courtesy of the Nigerian government with a nice you motorcade. See, you, I always wanted you lost, that. You lost that when you said if. Now, if you had said when you win. Oh man! Okay. <laughs> when you win. We were. He was trying to be diplomatic. And then, uh, and then we'll. Then we'll. Then we'll uh, turn it up in the presidential mansion, brother. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, that's part of it. So here's the thing, right? So in the last twenty years, we've only had one president who was under seventy. And they were in the sixties. Wow! So, yeah, that so is you can old. imagine when I win, you know, the, the, the kind of turn up we'll have as a nation, yeah. right? <laughs> so, that will be yeah. have house music and everything. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know about house music. Not house music. <laughs> no, no house music. No. Anyway, no, not house music. So what's the Try equivalent? Afrobeat. Afro, exactly. Yeah. What's yeah. the equivalent to the electric slide in uh, Nigeria? You know. Oh, it's on Instagram. You haven't seen it? Um, oh, man. You're blanking. There's several of them. Uh, the Rosaline one? Rosaline? Is... That Rosaline dance? You see that one? Something like that. Yeah, I think just, that's the just Google. One. Just Google or YouTube African dance moves. Yeah. Well, you I forget see. about the electric slide. <laughs> yeah, the electric slide is, is like the, 80s, bro. The electric slide on the bus is at every party. Is it? Yeah, yeah it still it is. is. If you go to a party, it still is. Yes. The electric slide. I don't go to a party, so I don't and know. The, um, Just go to a wedding. I mean, any wedding. Even yeah. my generation, we get married. We still do like everyone. Yeah. So we. I'm always trying to say, what is that dance for Nigeria, so we all can start practicing. Uh, I don't dance, so that'll be you guys. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'll be there though. I'll be there. All right, How man. Can you not dance? How can you not dance? Uh, Dude, you're, you're just saying all the, the wrong things right now. All the wrong stuff. You can't tell Nigerians no, don't you. dance. It's because, I'm, it's because I'm old and overweight. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> it don't look right. I'm older than you are. Uh, anyway. All right. Well, Chike, it's been a pleasure, man. Uh, we are with you. Um, you, uh, we, we definitely want you to win this. Um, I mean, 70 years old, that's way too old, man. Come on, man. Like, they need some young blood up in there. Yeah. Um, start getting things done. Are you guys? Uh, are you guys looking into like solar and other alternative forms of energy? Uh, did 
Or is it just definitely renewables? Yeah. Yeah, okay. no, definitely for for power. In fact, we have to do that yeah. because a national grid definitely cannot hold up um, our population. So we definitely need to divest into um, other sources of uh, energy, yeah. solar, wind, hydro, all of that. I bet yeah. there's a big market for uh, foreign investment and foreign business over there. For because you said basically almost yep. every market is untapped. Um, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. It's a little, it's always, you need to think through when going into investing in Africa mm. because you just need partners on the ground yeah. and you need partners here who understand the government. But that I, I found a lot of people are really excited to invest in, in, in Africa. Yeah. The biggest yeah. hurdle is stigma. And after stigma, well, let's go, like, man. Let's go to some Nigeria guidance. and see what's, see what's up over yeah. there, man. We're excited, man. Yep. And, uh, Yep. So uh, you got some champions over here at uh, TNDP and <laughs> whomever else we can come and uh, proselytize and uh, convert them over. Exactly. All right, Chike, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for joining us. Mine all right. as well. All right. Thank you thanks for, for having me. Thanks for I, apolog- I apologize for all the technical difficulties. I hope it got a little bit better. Nah, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for joining us. I know it's super late at night, man. All right. Sure. Thanks, have, man. Have a good night, Take bro. Okay, guys. Good you night. Too. Thanks. You too. That was Chike Ukegbu uh, running for president of Nigeria. Man, he needs to win that. He definitely needs to win that. You don't hear about people talking about reuniting people from the African diaspora. The thing is, we we have a lot of separation amongst black people in America for literally mostly no reason. Oh, that's because they killed all the people that were talking about uniting us across the world. Yeah, the, 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 60s, the, 60s. the 60s was terrible for uh, <laughs> black leadership. <laughs> it's <laughs> no, not funny at all. Nobody, but, uh, uh, very few made it into the 70s. Yeah. This is also why, uh, not to take it back here, it's why I don't believe in the moon landing. It's funny how it happened at the hey, end. Hey, no. It's cons- funny how it happened at the end of the 60s, try to take everybody's mind off all, hey, the, all the black people they killed. That were doing good things. You got Lumumba, you got Malcolm X, uh, Martin Luther King, the Black Panther dude. I mean, just no, they kill more than that. It, it, I know. I'm I'm just, I'm just counting off the top of my head. Wait, There's, do you believe in the moon landing? Yeah, I believe in the moon. Um, well, not in the moon. I believe yeah. we are at the moon, but I don't want to go and distract. I people don't want to like. Let's not go there. But I'm just saying, <laughs> let's let's keep uh, people excited about. I'm really on the fence with that one, dude. But, it didn't happen. But anyway, that's another <laughs> issue. All right. Um, Look, the the '60s were terrible. I mean, it was great for the all the black minds that came because we were really trying to come out of something. It yeah. was really happening. And, we, we had and be- all these people just got murdered by American government, quote unquote. Uh, I'm sorry. It's not quote uh, unquote. They actually did. No, no. In fact, Martin Luther King, they um, the family sued and won. Uh, they don't publish publicize that, but they. It, it wasn't the, 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 the government acknowledged that they knew that he was at substantial risk, exactly. but not that they. Or did well, his death. I mean, but you know, they did. Anyway, um, so yeah, it's um, I, I really, really want him to win, man. And if that all those young people, man, oh man, it's one of those things. That's that, crazy how many you, young people there are. And that's actually a higher number because it. That's lot, crazy. Sub-Saharan Africa used to be the average age is like 15, 14 years old because man. of um, access to healthcare. So power, water, sanitation. Yeah, definitely water and sanitation. If without clean water and clean sanitation, the death rates go through the roof. Man, if they had some uh, some suave American businessmen like you and I over there, I'm sure we could clean up. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm for, serious. No, no. Make we, some dough over there's there. a lot. You you can make some dough. One of the challenges about going to Africa and doing businesses because I've tried a couple. You know, put some deals. It takes a lot. It's an international project, and many of the the Africans who come here stateside 
aren't familiar with the U.S. process. Mm-hmm. So you have the Americans who are being influenced by stigma and racism, who are like, oh, I don't want to do business in Africa. And the ones who do expect a really high bar to be feel comfortable. People aren't used to if you're doing big if you're doing international deals. Normally, someone pays you upfront to set all the systems you need to make sure everything is working, and then you get that money back. And um, sometimes running, they're they're used to from the impact of corruption and, mm-hmm. and colonialism paying under the table for some of those they're things. They're used to doing it that way because well, that's used, just the way. Yeah, that's how you get done. Yeah. And then you be like, yo, I'm not going to jail again to Foreign Corruption Practice Act. But if you pay me my retainer, you know, let's get the lawyer, let's get the attorneys, let's mm-hmm. do the... It's actually less money to do it clean and on the table, but they're just not used to it because you're not guaranteed it's going to go through be like, no, this is... No, we won't even start unless this is done. Yeah. So... I wish there was like some kind of like course or or something where you could learn how do I like you know uh, Akon's over there doing big stuff in Ghana right now because mm-hmm. he's from over there yeah but I know but I'm saying like how do you, how do I go over there and like make stuff happen I know I wouldn't I don't know I, that's not a place where I'd want to like just send my money and just hope it turns out right I want to <laughs> go there yeah and so Ghana, do business Ghana has it that if you're from the diaspora you can have Ghanaian citizenship. You can any black person in American can go there. Yeah, and, and what and do you mean from the diaspora? Which he's diaspora. using diaspora a lot. Can you, can you explain that for the generation? Oh, di- Z, oh yeah, generation Z people and people. Diaspora <laughs> is anyone from African descent. So people who are yeah, any black person. Any, black, any black person. <laughs> well, from the diaspora. Diaspora. <laughs> from the, yeah, well, the diaspora thing. I <laughs> went to college. No, <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, an awesome voice. No, well, I mean, if you're from Egypt. You know, well, actually, Egypt is diaspora, but and whatever, it doesn't really matter. Any black person, you can go over there and say, <laughs> you can yeah, go, hey, funny. let me be a citizen, and they're, they're, they're open it for you. Oh, if you're f- descended from enslaved Africans, you yeah. can't You can't be black and not be. Well, what? you, you could have came on afterwards. You could have come. Oh, you mean so you can't, you can't come from like uh, uh, another black African country and go into Ghana and. Exactly. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So American or Western. Western. Oh, you got it. All right. Yeah, yeah. That's why I use the correct right, term. Use, use, your, use your words. Use words that me have the appropriate meaning. Words. God darn it. All right. Um, <laughs> on iTunes, we have a, a clean rating or something. Really? I, I should have looked that up before I said it, but it says if you look on, on our iTunes uh, page, it says we have a like four star clean because we're clean. Mm. We beep out the curse words. Family rating. I mean, we say like nuts and stuff, but that's you know, know, come on, man, it's like PG. Um, Anyway, so so we're like, like PG, but not like Disney PG thirteen, like Disney, which should be rated R, but it's the like PG thirteen, like Pirates of the Caribbean. Good movie, really. Is that really PG thirteen? It's like red on the edge. Um, Okay. Yeah, right, we that's lost a, that. That's a, that's that a was a terrible, that's terrible a analogy. Sometimes you bring the analogies home. Sometimes <laughs> that was not brought home. Lost. <laughs> that yeah. was a not fall ball. I kind of want you to expand on that one. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I'm going to stop running my head. UK boot. Yeah, we're with you, man. TNDP. Uh, these three black guys in Boston are totally with you. And um, we're going to hopefully get all of our listeners with you as well. Um, mm, but we got the microphone. We may have some. We're, we are listened to internationally, and we probably do have some Nigerian listeners. So hopefully that'll uh, maybe it'll pick up something. And um, I'm absolutely not kidding about that. Um, that presidential motorcade 
uh, trip to Nigeria. I think. Why do you need the motorcade? Because I saw it in coming to America and it was dope. <laughs> All right, it was dope. It was. Do you so? Do you want the horse and carriage dope or just a no? Like no, the, no, that's the, the wedding. The wedding. I want the limo when James Earl Jones pulled up to go see his son. That was dope when he stepped out of the. You know that your that wife is not going to allow you to have bathers, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> that would be nice, but no, no that's not happening. That would not work out. That would no. not work out. That would be uh, that would be a deal breaker. Um, She'll say like four old dudes. Like, hey, this is just the custom. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with this. She would not be with that. Uh, I don't think I would. Uh, but I wouldn't do me. that anyway. I'm just playing. I'm, I, I I would, she she so was like, oh, yeah, I got you bathers. There's old Frank in room. <laughs> the old dudes with the YMCA was like, they're. Oh. Imagine like an old dude who's like, oh, the royal. Never mind. Never mind. Remember that line though? Yeah. No, you don't yeah. want that old dude. Dude. No. <laughs> no. Oh, okay. oh I got to take it out of my head. Oh, I got to take it out of my head. Oh man, that's that's bad. All right. Uh, uh, there, there you go. Not done podcast. Um, episode twenty. Uh, what? Four. Four. Twenty four. Chike Ukegbu running for the president. <laughs> Did I mess up his last name again? Ukebu. Just let it flow out. Ukebu. That's what Ukebu. I said. Ukebu. Chike Ukebu. When you listen to it back, you'll hear it. Yeah. All right. Uh, I apologize, brother, if I messed up your name, man. We are we are absolutely one million percent with you, bro. Um, so yeah, that was a great episode. I learned a lot. I hope I didn't sound like a dumb American, man. Sometimes I fear that when I talk to international people, he sounded like he was smarter than me. He did sound <laughs> very smart. He sounded. He very sounded like someone who should be running for president. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I try. I, have you noticed Nigerians are, and a lot of Africans? They have like multiple degrees. They also play. Nigerians are the number one educated person in or group of people in the world. Apparently, really? Yeah, no, this yeah. is uh, very true. Especially yeah. when they come to America, they clean up on those degrees, son. Yeah, they're not playing around. But um, no, he's, he's they'll be like they'll be like Shimon, five degrees. Come on, you are lazy. He's, lazy. That sounds yeah. Arab. But anyway, <laughs> no, he's he's. I very, don't have my Nigerian accent. I have to work on it. He's very polished, bro. He's yeah. very polished. I think he can do it. I think he can do it, man. But um, I'm with him. All right. Uh, yeah. TNDP uh, episode uh, 24. It's been a pleasure. All of our international listeners. I know we have a lot now. I can't remember all the countries. We got Mexico, Hungary, Romania. Um, before, we only had like a few listeners in Ireland or something. Something Italy. like that. Italy. Italy. Ireland, Italy. And, and I was like Buongiorno and stuff. And then like, I don't, I, I don't know how to. Buongiorno. Where does he get Buongiorno from? Because like, isn't that Italian? Like, it is, but it was not in the right. Buongiorno. It sounded like you were delivering pizza, man. Like, you know what? What am I supposed to say? It's Buongiorno, right? How about Ciao? Ciao, yeah. Ciao. ciao. All right, uh, Ciao uh, to all you Italian people. But we have a lot. I don't. <laughs> you we have like Portuguese the last time I saw the stats, we had twenty-two separate countries. Wow. And, um, and uh, that's just amazing to me that I don't know how. I think because like, we we're talking about. How many podcasts are sitting there joking, but also interviewing like real candidates? Yeah, and we're just—we are simultaneously dumb and smart. Yes. I'm serious. That's we're—we're we're, we're really the barbershop. We're, we're, like we're having barbershop. Yeah, this is yeah. This is the barbershop barbershop speech. We're like riding the the razor's edge of dumb on one side and intelligent and thoughtful and you know all that good stuff on the in other the side. same conversation. Exactly. Exactly. So, anyway, uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, Catch you next week. Uh, be sure to look out for the part two of the God Body Tangent, which is also coming out uh, quickly, pretty soon. Uh, I think people will definitely be like, well, that is an interesting conversation. That was a very interesting conversation between uh, Yusuf and Kuma, the professor and Kuma. Uh, but look out for that as well. Um, thanks for joining us. One. One. One.